we all have a blueprint in our brain, in the midbrain, which is the perfect us, you know, before we had any traumas in life, which could be from the days when we were in utero, or it could be from last week, whatever our body thinks is the perfect us. And um, my focus uh, when I'm working with someone is to support the body getting back to whatever that version of is. So that blueprint um, never necessarily gets Alzheimer's. It never necessarily has repetitive use injuries. It never you know, gets a disease process. And so it can never get scoliosis as we age. And, you know, so people can actually, through uh, work that, that we've done, can recover their full height uh, if they've lost it through age or um, wow. scoliosis, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or they can recover um, other aspects of their life that they might have thought were gone um, because they're still in that blueprint. And, and, uh, you just, you, I don't necessarily know, and neither necessarily does the, the patient know what exactly are the things that they will need to get back in their lives, but there's some place in their brain they know, and, and cranial sacral therapy supports that process. Welcome to another enlightening episode of the Capital Integrative Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wong, and today we have a special guest joining us, Mary Ann Fisher. Marianne is a craniosacral lymphatic drainage practitioner who works with both humans and animals to augment their wellness. Marianne Fisher brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our discussion, having dedicated her practice to helping individuals achieve optimal health and well-being through this unique therapeutic modality. Throughout this episode, we'll hear Marianne's stories of transformation and healing, as well as her insights into the benefits of craniosacral therapy and lymphatic drainage. We'll hear from a 97-year-old woman who got helped a lot with craniosacral therapy and her scoliosis actually got reversed once restrictions were removed. Please join us as we dive into the world of craniosacral therapy with Marianne Fisher. Get ready to expand your understanding of the body's innate wisdom and learn how these gentle yet profound therapies can support your journey towards optimal health and healing. Welcome, Marianne, to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here. So today we're talking about craniosacral therapy. You're a practitioner here at Capital Integrative Health. We're so glad that you've joined and are practicing CST for clients. Wonderful. I'm delighted to be here and thrilled to be part of your team. Thank you so much. Let's talk about first to start. Can you tell our listeners a bit about what drew you to become a craniosacral practitioner and what do you enjoy most about what you do? Okay, yes, thank you. Um, what brought me to cranial sacral uh, therapy was migraine headaches. I had 10 years of intermittent migraine headaches, which evolved towards the end of the time to a, a spike headache the day one and then a four-day tail, which didn't keep me from working, but it certainly was a, a factor in my life. And I um, came to a physical therapist that practiced cranial sacral therapy and I was beginning to get a headache that day and the spike never came and I've not had a headache since in the last 20 years. So um, it was a very subtle, gentle treatment um, and it had a profound effect on me. So that led me to coming back uh, if I had a sore shoulder. I'm uh, an amateur equestrian, so that comes with its share of bangs and bruises. And 
Um, and uh, I would come back for, you know, treatment of injuries. And um, I, at that time, I was um, managing a global business, and I would come in before trips if I was feeling like under the weather I needed to be top flight, and she would help kick my immune system into gear, and off I went. So at some point in time, I thought if I could make the animals feel as good as my therapist helped me feel, I picked up kind of a hobby of doing cranial sacral therapy with the animals that I supported. And uh, over time, then that became uh, just a real draw. And I then invested to become a licensed massage therapist and then focused on the Upledger Institute offerings in cranial sacral therapy and have spent a better part of the last 12 years focused on learning and doing and practicing um, with all the, the great uh, resources that are out there today. That's so great. Uh, so you started with uh, your own personal experience, it sounds like, treating yeah. migraines, helping upload your immune system, then switched from uh, you know running a global company to, to being a healer and, and working on first animals, horses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then people as well. Right, yes. right, yeah. And, and you asked, uh, uh, what do I like most about it? What I like most about uh, this this whole uh, field is supporting people in their own healing processes. So I view myself as more of a facilitator yeah. than and than a doer. Um, I certainly do massage techniques that are supporting the healing process, but with cranial sacral therapy, you're really focused on supporting a person in their own process. You give me an opportunity to step on the CH soapbox now. That is a philosophy that we really all share, whether we're in medicine or nutrition or massage therapy, acupuncture, et cetera. I think it's all about facilitation, partnering and witnessing with the person rather than, you know, doing something for them in a, in a way where, you know, we're externally giving them something. Excellent. And yeah. that, that's very much how I view the whole healing process. You know, as you say, it takes a village and, it does. and a lot of different collaborative ways that we can uh, support the process. Yeah, an integrative village, and that, and that, I think, to for listeners out there, that integrative means you know we can refer sometimes or do ourselves conventional care. We'll do integrative functional care, body work, wellness. It depends on kind of what the patient or client needs. Uh, absolutely. And uh, where they are in their health journey. So, for listeners who might not know, what is craniosacral therapy, and and how does it differ from other types of body work? You started out as a licensed mm-hmm. massage therapy in terms of formal education, but then I know some massage therapists will do straight massage, and then some will get into my facial release, like carry, mm-hmm. and then craniosacral is another type of specialty. Absolutely. So, um, what is craniosacral therapy? It's a light touch osteopathic technique that stimulates the body's natural healing processes, um, and um, uh, it supports the body as it releases both from physical and emotional traumas, and they could be as small as repetitive use type traumas, or it could be falling and taking a bang, or it could be dealing with the chronic illnesses which create their own form of traumas in the body. Um, so <clears throat> it can also um, support recovery from things such as uh, infections as the flu or long COVID, uh, neurological issues such as vertigo or neuropathy, sleep-related issues such as having difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, and a whole range of emotional 
So again, it's through this light touch technique that really taps into the body's ability to get back to its own best uh, state of homeostasis and health. Um, so if I look at cranial sacral therapy, I, I think that there are four concepts that are um, distinguish it, and it's a little different than the, the physical uh, modalities that you've talked about with massage or, or myofascial. Um, the first is that with the cranial sacral system, we're tapping into the cranial sacral rhythm that supports the central nervous system. So what is that? Um, basically, that is a closed biomechanical system in which ventricles in, uh, or glands within our head, behind our eyes and behind our nose, they produce the clear liquid cerebral spinal fluid that surrounds and nourishes and protects the brain within our cranium and the spinal cord as it goes down to the sacrum through the vertebral column. Okay, and every five to eight seconds, you have a fresh surge of this cerebral spinal fluid. And in the interim, the fluid that was used previously drains off through ducts or hoses, if you will, into the lymphatic and the circulatory system. So you have a rhythm that's five to eight seconds that is a biomechanical rhythm similar to the heart pumping blood, you know, through arteries and veins, similar to the um, respiratory diaphragm pumping air in and out of the body. It's the cranial sacral rhythm. Um, and so that's surrounding the central nervous system. And therefore, uh, we have this cranial sacral rhythm. Secondarily, we have peripheral nerves. So all the peripheral nerves that power our muscles and our digestion and, you know, our vision and our senses, um, they all have one end that taps into that central nervous system. Uh, and the other end goes to wherever it goes. Therefore, one end of every peripheral nerve feels that cranial rhythm. So in a relaxed body, uh, that rhythm will be carried from the central nervous system all the way out to the skin and through the dermatomes, which are the nerves that, that, uh, through which we experience the outside world with temperature and wind and that kind of thing. Um, so where there's no rhythm then you have what we call a restriction. And that restriction could be a tight muscle, it could be a bones out of place, the joints a little twisted, it could be infection, inflammation, a fever, lots of different things can cause uh, restrictions. Um, and then the fourth concept behind this is that every cell in our body has a, a memory of where it wants to be physically. Um, and it has a memory of how to get back to that, given the opportunity. So for instance, if we go to sleep at night, we have a sore throat and it's gone in the morning, our parasympathetic nervous system, the one that helps us rest and digest and heal, that will marshal all the resources to let all those cells go back to their place of comfort and the, the sore throat's gone. And it may take a few days to happen, but it will continue working until you get back to that place of comfort the healing process. So as a practitioner, I actually will access um, the um, patient through uh, touching the dermatome, the skin, and I'll go feel where in the body the restriction is the strongest, kind of like throwing a pebble into a still pond. You want to you, you follow the ripples back to that source where the pebble went in, and that it be, would be the 
the uh, restriction that I would focus on, and I would put my hands on either side of it or around it, and that uh, putting my hands there is what really triggers the patient's parasympathetic nervous system to come check this out. Is there a problem here? Is there a crisis? Is there a wound? Is there a trauma? And if, if it's nothing immediate, then it will set about the process of getting the resources there to allow uh, a, um, a sore hip to be reorganized back to a place where it's not sore. And you have the, re uh, uh, the uh, return of fluid and uh, circulation to an area and that can then re release the pain. So that's my focus as a practitioner is to find the areas on the patient that um, where the restrictions are and then bring the body's attention to that and I will feel releases. They could be fascial movement, it could be a chiropractic adjustment, it could be a release of heat um, or a therapeutic pulse, we call, as the cells are moving around to find their, actively find their place of, of rest. Um, and then I pay attention until, uh, until that releases, and then I move on to the next place. So that is the process of uh, cranial sacral therapy. Great. Thank you so much, Marianne. It sounds like um, from the description of those four concepts in cranial sacral therapy, there's, there's some sub-questions that were generated from uh, listening to you here. First of all, um, where are you putting your hands on the different body parts or dermatomes? Are you, are you, you're not up just in the cranium or right behind the uh, neck area and sacrum. It sounds like you could be anywhere. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's a really good question. So thank you. So the, the, the term cranial sacral therapy re refers to where the system is in the body, which is the head and the spinal, the vertebral column down to the sacrum. Um, but those peripheral nerves go out to all of our um, skin everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So um, uh, to give an example, if you've injured an ankle, um, I might be finding that the least the least um, cranial rhythm might be down at that ankle or it might be up at the hip or might be in the back, which the nerves go support the ankle, but um, it might be related to that or it could be a shoulder or a neck or it could be someplace on the head. And that's the the challenge is to listen to the body and figure out where that that biggest first restriction is. I'm excited to try to treat you with you. <laughs> Looking forward my to my ankle. <laughs> Thank you. And um, also, you mentioned how the cranial, say, uh, the rather the um, scrubospinal fluid (CSF) um, bathing the you know brain and the spinal cord, etc., has its own rhythm. Um, how or you know what? What is sort of generating that rhythm? You know, who, who is that? What's the drummer behind the drum beat of the rhythm? That's a really good question. The drummer behind the, the rhythm is um, four ventricles, if they are, or glands within uh, the brain, two kind of behind the eyes and two kind of behind the nose. And every four to um, five to eight seconds, they produce a fresh um surge of cerebral spinal fluid and there is a circulatory pattern that goes around the brain within the cranium and then it goes down uh, the spinal cord to the sacrum um, and um, so that is the drum beat um, my understanding of cerebral spinal fluid and your listeners may have more um, is that they they don't understand everything about it but they do know that uh, from studies that it's critical for healing 
So if you, for some reason, have a blockage of cerebral spinal fluid, you could have challenges recovery. So one of the wonderful aspects of uh, the cranial sacral therapy process is one of the first things we do is just make sure that there's a nice flow going up and down and supporting the whole central nervous system, and then we can um, move on from there. All these dots are connecting my head right now. <laughs> Functional medicine wellness really posits that, you know, we're looking at trying to find the root cause of both health and illness or disease. When you look at what you just said about how if there's blockages in the CSF pattern, it, it kind of reminds me a bit of, of acupuncture and meridians where you know, meridians get blocked then there can be disease or imbalances that happen from that. But I think in point two, what you talked about was that the peripheral nerves are at a nerve ending, but then the other part of it is connected to the central nervous system and that you need that really um, consistent pulsating rhythm, um, you know, generated from the ventricles that, that is leading that CSF everywhere to the, to the, um, to the nervous system to, and that, that, that you need a relaxed body for that. Um, but then it sounds like if people don't have a relaxed body, then, uh, then that, that whole system gets, uh, gets affected. Exactly. And so for instance, um, if, uh, if you are, um, a driver, you know, and drive for a business, or if you are, um, standing on your feet all day, you can develop repetitive use, uh, patterns in your body, which will overuse certain muscles and fatigue them, and then they don't get enough circulation in, and then you lose that um, balanced flow around the whole body. Um, and so whether it's acupuncture or cranial sacral therapy, there are different ways that you can then access and help get the fluid and return the homeostasis to that part of the body. And a lot of listeners probably do know this, but I just want to reiterate that the nervous system really is at least in my mind, a control panel, it really influences very heavily the rest of the body. So like you said, the nerves are going everywhere in the body. So if there's a nervous system issue, you know, then, then people will often have hormone issues or gut mm. issues, musculoskeletal mm -hmm. for sure, mm -hmm. immune issues, right? Everything is affected by the nervous system, heart, you know, or cardiovascular issues. These are all affected. Exactly. So that's one key area. Another key area is the fascia that yes. surrounds all the muscles and bones and circulatory system. Um, and that fascia um, oftentimes will be um, tight in a protective mode um, around an area that might have a repetitive use or, um, or have had ac acute injury. Your body you know, throws resources and throws uh, what we consider inflammation to, to kind of provide that natural casting. And that um, uh, cranial sacral therapy can help to relieve some of that once it's no longer needed and keep it from becoming a chronic issue. So I have a, I have a real deep dive rabbit hole question now because I always like to throw in a rabbit hole question on here. Um, in our modern society with a lot of chronic stress and the lifestyle and things like that, have you ever seen a client where you're kind of like, hey, your CSF is flowing amazing and all the aqueducts are all you know, open? Um, at the end of a session, at the end. Okay. oftentimes, yeah. Um, what I tend to find in our modern society, you know, you might even find someone who, who comes in, you know, they have an issue. We'll pick on ankles, you know. Yeah. But they're feeling pretty good otherwise, and all that, and you know, but they're managing busy modern lives, 
And through a cranial sacral therapy uh, treatment, we might find that their respiratory diaphragm releases. You know, they've had, because mm-hmm. of all the tension, they've had muscles uh, around their, um, their diaphragm that are tight and keeping them from having full relaxed breaths. And, and through a session, they can suddenly access more uh, effective their breathing, deeper yeah. breathing, and that really has a huge effect on overall wellness and, uh, and recovery from injuries. Thank you. Um, and then we also talk about in this podcast a lot, um, you know, trauma, like you said, uh, and also uh, the cell danger response. And you were talking about how cells have memories mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, access healing to get it back to that original, you know, healthy state. Mm-hmm. And you're mentioning the, the sore throat example. Uh, so does craniosacral therapy help with restoring that, that cell memory? Oh, yeah. It will, and it relies on that cell memory to okay. some extent. Okay. The way I think about it is that we all have a blueprint in our brain, in the midbrain, which is the perfect us, you know, before we had any traumas in life, which could be from the days when we were in utero or it could be from last week, whatever our body thinks is the perfect us. And um, my focus uh, when I'm working with someone is to support the body getting back to whatever that version of is. Mm -hmm. So that blueprint um, never necessarily gets Alzheimer's. It never necessarily has repetitive use injuries. It never, you know, gets a disease process. And so it can never get scoliosis as we age. And, you know, so people can actually, through... Uh, work that that we've done can recover their full height uh, if they've lost it through age or um, wow. scoliosis, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or they can recover um, other aspects of their life that they might have thought were gone um, because they're still in that blueprint. And and uh, you just you I don't necessarily know, and neither necessarily does the the patient know what exactly are the things that they will need to get back in their lives, but there's some place in their brain they know, and, and cranial sacral therapy supports that process. Great. So activating the parasympathetic, kind of yeah. clearing out some of the mud, so to speak. Oh, wonderful. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Thinking of some tadpoles right now, springtime. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what are some of the top, I mean, you mentioned some things already, but what are, what are some of the top conditions or, or issues that you would see among your, your clients, you know, for craniosacral that it would be more helpful for? So um, I've seen it with um, be very effective. So I'm going to kind of go in age, you know, from young people that are having challenges uh, focusing in school mm-hmm. or learning or speaking. Uh, it can help um, kind of access them. Do access you treat all ages? Or? All ages. Okay. It, it, cranial can be effective with all ages. Yeah put it that way. Um, and then I see um, young people who are, you know, varsity athletes or, you know, pursuing athletic careers, and it can help them recover from performances. It can also help them prepare, okay, reduce stress and yeah. get focused so they can perform better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, from the general population, um, I see it be very helpful for um, uh um, age-related challenges, memory, arthritis, balance. Um, again, it could be very helpful if you have sleep-related issues or stress-related issues. Um, 
that's been a, kind of a wonderful surprise for one, some of my clients to find, oh, you know, I thought I was sleeping fine at, you know, five hours a night, and now I realize I get seven or eight, and I feel a lot better type thing. So, yeah. uh, so it can, it, it, the, the wonderful thing about the parasympathetic nervous system is where you need it, it will, it will get active and support you. Hmm. So it kind of has a wide range of applicability in each of us. Yeah. Yeah. It wanders a lot in um, different parts of the body. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, let's talk about also um, any considerations for, uh, I don't know if it's just uh, medical or health contraindications or what, where would you say, hey, maybe someone um, shouldn't be, you know, doing craniosacral or, or use caution? The, the biggest area for contraindication for cranial is blood pressure. So if you're actively dealing with the stroke, um, what I've been told is if you can't bear down to have a bowel movement, you do not want to be getting a cranial treatment because it, it can take your blood pressure. The, activating the parasympathetic nervous system can take your okay. blood pressure down. Too low. Okay. And you don't want to do that in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about, um, there are some people uh, with, say, uh, hypermobility syndromes, um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, craniocervical instability. Are those people candidates for um, cranial sacral or? I think they are. Okay. Um, and it's, again, it's a matter of uh, incrementally tapping into where each person is. And so they may be getting certain other treatments and resources, but the cranial will help them kind of meet them where they are. Where are they in the process? Are they almost recovering? Are they deep into the process? And it will help them kind of reorganize their systems to go deal mm -hmm. with. And, I, and I've had some cranial sacral therapy before, um, d d a little bit. Um, I, I have found it to be a gentle treatment. It seems yes. gentle to me. Yeah. Absolutely. So that because the engagement is with the parasympathetic nervous system and because the patient is doing all the work. Um, there's very little pressure. Um, so if if I think that the the biggest uh, restriction might be a shoulder someplace, and if the body doesn't agree, then then it won't use it. It'll use that energy some other place in the body, and I will never know. But um, so it's very very light. The whole concept is um, that you offer support. Uh, to the body. And um, I, in my years, I've not yet found a body that doesn't want it, um, that doesn't, where I don't necessarily, you know, I don't see a change or feel a change in a session, but it might not be where I and the client thought we were starting. <laughs> like if you pour a river, in, uh, a w water, I mean, into a river bank, it'll, it'll flow wherever it needs to go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's part of the uh, challenge for the practitioner is to not have an agenda yeah because the only agenda is the patient's agenda and that's you know so my job is to listen and to we call it blend and meld with the body um, and then uh, feel for the releases and then move on once they're complete so um, but it's really not my process and as a result um, you may find that you know you feel 10 or 20 or 30 percent different or better after a session and you may find in two or three days you feel 80 percent better and that's because you're 
system is doing the work. It started it on the table, and now it's continuing to do that as you go forward over the next days and weeks. So would you say that if you let the agenda go, I guess it would be for both the provider and the client, the CSF will flow? <laughs> I like that. It's all I think we have a new we do. We have a, a new, little tagline. A tagline for uh, the website. I mean, because I think this is also an issue with when we are are when we're patients or clients ourselves. We sometimes expect, you know, this is going to be. Hey, what should what should be happening from this? Or this is what I want from this. But in in fact, maybe it's better to let that agenda go. Exactly. And and then the body will yep. will take care of you. So. I'll use myself as an example. In, until I was deep into my training, my awareness of my body, I mean, I was athletic. I, I, I thought of myself as a well-integrated person, but really my awareness below my head was like none. And so, <laughs> so what I always ask patients is notice what you notice. Yeah. See if there's something that changes. Um, you know, do you feel your posture changing? Do you feel you more relaxed? Do you feel, you know, uh, a difference in that part of your body that you were concerned about? But note, getting ourselves to notice is half the battle. And you with the integrative health plan, noticing across the different modalities is really um, the key to wellness yeah. for, our, for our patients. Yeah, great. I agree with that for sure. Um, let's kind of walk through the listener. Um, what can someone expect during a craniosacral session? What techniques are used? How long does a typical session last, et cetera, like that? Okay. Well, a typical session would be 45 to 60 minutes. Um, I have done longer sessions and I have done shorter sessions. And I, um, when I work with animals, sometimes the session is only 10 to 20 minutes and they get up and leave when they're done. So. And you work with, with, uh, what kind of animals? I have worked with uh, horses and dogs primarily, um, but the occasional rabbit or Galapagos tortoise. You know, or... you know what I'm going to ask you, right? Do, <laughs> do cats tolerate this? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, do. I do. Amazing. I do cats. Actually, okay. cats should be right after dogs. So they're not jumping on the counter if you try to, you know, touch their neck or something. No, not not generally. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's it, cats are a little trickier. Like, uh, but they. They do like it. They do <laughs> be- believe it's surprisingly. They need they need CSF treatment as well. <laughs> they do all animals. They do. Like. They do. That's fun. And Galapagos tortoises. That that's interesting. That was really that's a fun story in its own right. But yes, they. So I always you know the word the learning is all about mammals using mm. it. But we happen to be in a scenario where a Galapagos tortoise, which is not a mammal, right, was having a problem with its leg, and we were able to help it recover and it walked off sound yeah after a treatment aren't the tortoises the ones that that um live longer than humans they live yes. like 150 years yes. or something like yes that. yes and yeah. this, this particular tortoise was i think they said um 18 years um but he was already so big you couldn't turn him over to see if it's a male or female because you can tell i guess from the bottom of the shell and and they don't mature until they're in their 60s or something. So it's a whole different game. Yeah, yeah, when you live that long, right? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so a session lasts, you said, 45 to, to 60 minutes yeah. typically. Um, how many sessions might someone need? And I wanted to ask you also, does does the client leave their clothes on? They take them off? Um, 
Client leaves clothes on. You want to wear comfortable clothes. Okay. All right. Um, And then we do have a blanket if, you know, because oftentimes on the table, your blood pressure can go Mm -hmm. down. You can feel chilly, but you wear whatever you're comfortable with. I'll change Um, out of my tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We're on video side. That's right. See, I'm wearing my scrubs, but yeah. Um, And uh, um, we do, um, they recommend, you know, four to eight sessions. I find that people generally feel a significant difference within one or two. Yeah. So you, and then you can kind of, do you do them weekly, every other week? You kind of, you'll find a rhythm that feels good for your body. It's not the kind of thing where you need to do it every day, you know, for a period. It's it's something that, um, but you do want to um, give your body a chance to adjust to it, um, that type of thing. And um, the technique. So, um, you lie on the table, uh, usually on your back, and then um, I will gently put my hands listening to the cranial rhythm at your ankles and your hips and your shoulders and your head, and we'll find a place that feels like the rhythm is the least, and I'll slide a hand on either side of where the rhythm is the least. It could be your hips, it could be your shoulders, it could be um, your neck or your spine, and then um, each session or each hold could be three to five, might be longer minutes, but three to five minutes um, until I feel the, the releases and then move to the next uh, place where I feel the restriction. So it's a very gentle process. Um, yeah. Marion, let's talk about, thank you, let's talk about how... Um, clients can benefit from, from craniosacral therapy. If you could uh, share one or two uh, case studies of, of people who have used this therapy, utilized this therapy, and who've had their health transformed by craniosacral therapy. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's lots of people. There are lots so. <laughs> out there. So, um, well, I'll give one example um, of a client um, who uh, uh, was having trouble breathing. And because she couldn't breathe, she couldn't sleep. And, uh, and, and she went to her doctor and they took blood and they, you know, looked at her blood, looked at her bones and said, you know, you're fine. Okay. So this they did way, a medical workup. That, they did the medical workup, like but you know, you're older and maybe now's the time. So, uh, you need to prepare yourself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she called her lawyer and said, I need to get my papers lined up. And the lawyer said, well, are you ready to go? And she said, no. And he said, well, you want to try something relaxing, you know, which is how he interpreted. He's a client. He interpreted my work as relaxing. And I started working with her. And the first night, uh, she would be in bed in her PJs because uh, she was not mobile at the time. And uh, the very first night, um, I was explaining to her and her caregiver the process. And when we got to her respiratory diaphragm, which is kind of the top of your ribs and the bottom of your shoulder blade, she took this huge breath and her chest opened up, my hands went up and she opened her eyes and she exhaled, closed her eyes and went to sleep and she slept all night. And so um, that began a relationship where I would work with her and within a couple weeks she was back to walking and uh, got back to a mile and a half uh, a day Um, so she was very quickly back to her normal life. And about eight months later, her caregiver texted me and said, you never, you don't know this because you've never seen her standing up, but she has severe scoliosis. 
to the point where she's kind of bent over her walker. And this morning when she stood up, I've noticed it over time, but this morning when she stood up, uh, she was at her full height, uh-huh. eyeball to eyeball with me. So that's an example of um, I didn't have an agenda. I would just work with her back and do what her back wanted to do, fascial movement this way and that way. And what I didn't understand was that her vertebrae were realigning themselves Wow! so that at the end of eight months, she was at her full height. Once the restriction was removed. Once the restriction amazing. was moved, And I didn't know that there was a restriction there. I mean, I, I knew that something was happening because I could feel my hands going one way or in the mm-hmm. other. And it wasn't me moving, so it wasn't a massage. Your hands were the catalyst. You didn't really under... No one necessarily knew what would happen, but it sounds like that was the catalyst there. Right. Amazing and, story. And nobody, nobody thought that life could change for her. She'd been that way for many and years. It sounded like her doctor said she was ready to die. Exactly. I mean, that's what, that's exactly. what you just said. Like, yeah. get ready yeah. to die, get your yeah. papers exactly. in order and stuff. And, so with it, and she did uh, eventually pass, but it wasn't from any of those things. It okay. Was, it was... So it was really a restriction that was maybe causing the breathing issues? That, that so what, so think, what it turned out was um, that her she and her caregiver figured out that uh, she was grieving. Uh, mm-hmm. the loss of a dear friend who had mm-hmm. died a couple months before. And, you know, grieving, you can tighten the muscles in your chest and mm-hmm. in your diaphragm. And if you're grieving and you're tightening your muscles, your body starts to think something's wrong. Yeah. And so it starts to throw that natural casting. So you can't take a deep breath. So it's your body thinks it's protecting your respiration by tightening up. And... When I put my hands there, her parasympathetic system went down there and said, well, what's the problem? Well, there is no urgent problem. You know, grieving was over or, you know, the dramatic part of it was into a, you know, several months before. Not not that grieving ever ends, but the point is the trauma of it. Yeah. And so it told all the soft tissue to go back to scratch and her, she was able to open up her diaphragm and start breathing normally that fast. It it kind of felt like my migraine headaches, you know, like I don't know why they ever let go so quickly. In her case, it was the breathing that let, you know, return so quickly. So, so that's a case study um, that was a surprise to me on both ends. One is the breathing improving so beautifully the first time. And second is somebody being able to regain their posture. It, it's so it's so enlightening and so interesting how this is really, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about craniosacrum wellness, but this is also biology because there's that bidirectional relationship between structure and function. And you were talking about how the tight muscles as a result of the grieving, but then that leads to the body thinking there's a fight or flight. Um, but then by, uh, I guess, loosening the restriction or you know basically having that person kind of release those tight muscles it sounds like that also relieves releases or transforms the grieving process as well at least from from yes perspective absolutely and i didn't know that at the time and she didn't know it she closed her eyes and went to sleep but it was maybe the next week when i came they said you know what happened and they spent the time during that week, kind of cogitating yeah. on what happened and why. And they, they kind of, she remembered. And so the last thing that went was, well, I have this great friend and I was grieving for her and now I can breathe. Great. That's a great case. And um, it just shows the power of the body to heal itself once yeah. everything is, you know, kind of back in balance. 
Um, are there any exercises, Marianne, or practices that you can recommend to uh, listeners to do at home to, I guess, help the craniosacral system, or should they see you first and then <laughs> so, evaluate? So I was thinking about self-care. What can yeah. we all do? And some of this is not cranial sacral therapy, but I'll end with the cranial thought. But one is, of course, breathing, taking time to ground ourselves and breathe. And um, somebody asks a question and take a breath before you answer so you can um, start thinking through whatever you need and not respond in that flight, fight or flight mode. Yeah. So breathing would be uh, really a significant thing. Um, a second is, you know, remembering to put our heads on top of our spines, the whole postural therapy, um, which is totally separate. But a lot of our issues that wind up in manifesting themselves in cranial sacral problems is due to modern living. We're driving, we're cooking, we're on the computer. Texting. We're texting, we're leaning forward. Mm -hmm. And when you lean forward, your head is no longer on top of your spine. And that creates a whole imbalance that can affect vertigo. It can affect <clears throat> nerves, muscles, comfort, stress, everything. So so uh, those would be two things. Um, a self-care cranial thing that people can do, which I do every morning and every evening to support my neck, is before I go to sleep at night and when I wake up in the morning, I'll put my hands behind my head. So if you don't have shoulder issues or elbow issues or wrist issues, you know, um, and you can either put them like knit your fingers together or put them one above the other, one on the neck and one on the head, and just lie there. And don't pull or anything, but if you just lie there in the morning or at night when you're relaxing, suddenly you'll notice sometimes zoop, your, your soft tissue, your spine might lengthen, your soft tissue around your spine might reorganize. And it's a wonderful way to kind of protect our necks and whatnot. You don't want to put any pressure on the neck. You're just attending to it. Okay. How, how many minutes do you do that? A couple minutes, couple minutes. five minutes, yeah. whatever. You know. I mean, it's kind of the thing that I used to watch my brother doing growing up. He'd been lying in bed with his hands behind his head. It's kind of a natural thing that we do. It's not anything unique, but it can have a really wonderful, profound effect on our spines. Yes. And speaking of our head on our spine, which is the second point you made here, I just did that while you were talking and noticed I was like more alert and like, <laughs> more energy. It's oh, like good. the flow of the river is unblocked, right? When that happens. Good. If everyone could listen, you know, especially yeah. this right now, try that right now at home and exactly. see, if you, uh, see how see you if, like see it. See how you like it. Yeah. We are, we are um, doing a lot of cervical forward flexion quite mm -hmm. a bit in our, mm -hmm. you know, modern society and work and you know, computers and cell phones. So I think this is something that we, we kind of need as an antidote to this right, right. for prevention. Wonderful. Um, so, um, so you talked about some uh, exercises and practices. Any, I guess, any resources that people can go to in person or, or online or something for people to learn more? Yeah. Um, so an easy way to do this would be to go to upledger.com. That's Upledger Institute is the group that I've taken a lot of my training with. There are several... Uh, organizations that have different concepts behind cranial sacral therapy. The one that I have talked about today is really um, led by the Upledger Institute mm -hmm. and upledger.com okay. or upledgerinstitute.com. Um, they have a wonderful website that talks about cranial sacral therapy and it also offers classes um, and it offers um, uh, the ability to find a therapist. And so you can 
by zip code or whatever. Uh, if you're not in this regional area, you could find somebody in another area. Do you need to be a professional to take classes, or can you be um, anyone? Or Well, to practice with people, right. you need to have a license. Right. So that would be massage therapy, mm-hmm. you know, any, any kind of— Licensed healthcare practitioner. Licensed healthcare yeah. practitioner, nursing, yeah. all kinds okay. of dentists. Okay. But um, anybody can go. And okay. so when I went to my first cranial sacral therapy class— I was in class to be a licensed, you know, massage therapist, and I wasn't certified in anything. Certified yet, yeah. So that you can go, and it's actually geared towards the non-medical professional that way. Good, great. And what is one thing, Marianne, you wish everyone knew about craniosacral therapy? Oh, so uh, that it will meet and support you wherever you are in your process. So if you have a chronic issue, you have an acute issue, um, you know, you're feeling like you're out of sorts some way. I mean, maybe you don't even feel like it's physical. It will support you. So it's it's uh, an interesting thing to give a try. Thank you so much, Mira, for coming on today and talking to us about craniosacral therapy and how it can benefit people. Part of our mission here at Capital Integrative Health is making integrative healthcare more accessible, and we're doing it in this way of, you know, the podcast and and things we have, you know, in the future as well. Um, and we also want to focus on small steps that we can take to improve our health. We'd love to hear from you, Marianne. What is one thing under $20 that you feel has transformed your own health? Okay. Um, so I'll give you the product version of this, which is actually $29.95. I apologize. Um, but then I'll give you an under $20 way to do it. We'll round it up for inflation. That's fine. <laughs> it's inflation. Inflation time. We can make it 30 bucks. It's fine. It's, um, it's called a still point inducer. And what it is, it looks like, well, it's actually, it looks like two balls that are put together. It's a plastic um, uh, con- contraption. And it's small. It, it, and one ball is, one of the balls is designed to go on each side of your, a cranial base between where your head hits the um, your neck. Okay. And you can lie on it, uh, and um, it is a wonderful way to release the tension in the back of your head. Um, and if I'm feeling tense from the day, my jaw, my neck, I'll lie on that. And then when I roll off of it, I'm asleep. I mean, it's gone. Mm. So, but the um, under $20 way to do this is to go pick up some tennis balls. So if you live near a golf course, I'm sure you could find them free. Um, and then put them in a sock and tie a knot in the sock. And um, that's the exact perfect size for uh, a cranial-based still point reducer. Great. So that was that was fundamental. I have to say I used that all many years. Great. And then when, when it's inducing those points there, is that activating the parasympathetic when, when it's back here in the neck and the head base? I think it's doing a few things. Yes, it's activating that. It's also, we have a lot of tight muscles back here and fascia that are organizing to protect our spinal cord as it leaves. So there's a lot of 24-hour work going Tension on. Tension there. And when you lie on it, you're you're pushing um, maybe some of the toxins associated with those muscles and the fascia. And then when you come off of it, it allows fresh circulation to access yeah. there. That's my sensation. That, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Marianne, for coming on again today. It's been a, such a pleasure. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Um, how can listeners learn more about you and work with you? Um, so they can work with me on um, by reaching out to uh, Capital Integrative Health. So 
and um, they can learn more about me there. So great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of the Capital Integrative Health Podcast. A quick reminder that the information we share in this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. It's not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We highly recommend that you speak to a qualified healthcare provider before making any medical or healthcare decisions. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to subscribe and leave us a review. Your reviews help us reach more people and continue to offer innovative insights and information to better optimize your health and wellness.